Xfinity is breaking the gig barrier with Wi-Fi speeds over a gig. It's more than enough speed to power all your devices. Introducing gig Wi-Fi, new from Xfinity. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Wendy's new classic chicken sandwich is now in the two-for-five. And that's reason to celebrate. Try the new classic and then take your mouth on a victory lap with the iconic Dave's Single, the delicious spicy chicken sandwich, spicy or crispy 10-piece nuggets, or just get another classic chicken sandwich. Taste greatness today with Wendy's 2 for 5. We got you. For a limited time, a la carte only. Price and participation may vary. Less Wendy's. Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome back to the Gifts of Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women of God that use their gifts, talents, and passions to honor and glorify God. And this week, we have a really special episode, very special to me, because I get to sit down and have a conversation with somebody near and dear to my heart, uh, my partner in crime, partner in comedy, partner in everything that we're doing with Gifts of Glory Ministries, with Well-Versed Comedy, uh, with my pursuits of uh, looking for opportunities to do public speaking, to go out and uh, do ministry. And I'm, of course, talking about my wife, uh, my gift from God. I'm talking about my wife, Bobby Ebert. Uh, we get to spend about an hour with her just chit-chatting about uh, testimony, comedy, what it's like to be with somebody that has so many highs and lows because of performing and and putting myself out there so it's a really a fun conversation i think you might get to know me a little bit better by hearing her side of things but i do want to give you a heads up i was using a older mic cable when i was recording uh because uh, she was on one side of the the room i was on the other and we were just uh uh anyway you don't need to know anything other than the fact that my mic cable i found out after the interview had a bit of a short in it so you're going to hear some uh, some audio distortion things uh, going on there, but you should be able to understand pretty much everything that we're talking about, uh, either through context or hearing my booming voice carry across the room uh, into her microphone. <laughs> so uh, I hope you enjoy the interview. Um, it's really fun. Uh, we do get to perform together every once in a while as Mad Tremoni. Uh, just the two of us doing some improv together. It's a lot of fun. You probably see us this summer at Pure Fest. Uh, we've done some other things together. So it's, uh, I love being able to share the stage with my wife. It's a special moment for me. And, uh, this is another one of the stages that I get to share with my wife, my beautiful, amazing, charming wife. And I'm talking about Bobby Ebert. And she is our next guest right here on the Gifts of Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women of God using their gifts, talents, and passions to honor and glorify God. Here's my interview with my wife, Bobby Ebert. A very special guest this week. Uh, somebody that uh, usually doesn't step into the spotlight very often, works uh, very much behind the scenes to help make Gifts of Glory Ministries go. Uh, also makes our improv ministry go uh, because uh, she handles the front door, she handles the music, and uh, the website, everything else in between. So uh, I want to welcome my special guest, my favorite guest of all time, none other than Miss Reverend, or I guess it should be Mrs. Reverend Bobby Ebert. Hi. I think just Bobby Ebert does well. Okay. But you are now a reverend, and uh, you know you get the REV on your envelopes now. So I just want to 
Never, I, I say that half jokingly, but it is a, a great achievement. You've earned it, and uh, I'm very proud of you for being a reverend. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's actually awkward to. Well, it's kind of cool to see the reverend on my name on an envelope on a piece of mail coming into the mail, but it's awkward hearing people call me Reverend or Pastor Bobby. Only a few people have done that. But you as my husband are making sure that people are well aware. And, you know, I appreciate it. I love the support. It's great to be supported. But it's it's still very awkward. It's right. not a title I would choose for myself. You know, um, becoming credentialed is not something that I'm pursuing just to have a title. Right. And like I said, it, it's half in jest, but also to honor uh, on, on your uh, your work and your effort. And I think that that's the perfect heart to have is not to want the title because it, it's not like you're a doctor or not like you're in one of these high professions. The, to be in ministry is to be a servant and to be a servant doesn't come with a title. Right. Um, we are to be servant leaders you know we lead by serving each other and you set quite the example uh doing that at church and we'll get into that uh here in just a little bit um but one of the things that i i always love is when we talk to friends over the uh, last uh four uh years that we've been married almost four years we're about three weeks away from our four-year anniversary um one of the things i love doing is telling people our story of how we went from um, acquaintances to dating and uh, just the whole journey there because it is in very ways a very lifetime you know romantic comedy type thing where um, I was I was stuck in the friend zone for a long time yeah I still apologize for that <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we met in uh, 2014, um, which is uh, right after Ha 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 Men had started, and we were doing um, some shows at uh, the Comedy Shrine at that point. Technically, it was in 2013 when I first met you. That's right, 2013, because you were uh, dating uh, my uh, friend and now current boss, uh, Tom, and um, and we met and... Um, you guys were dating. I thought you guys made a good match. Um, I still laugh at the third wheel photo with Fab that night at the uh, at the restaurant. We went to go see uh, Katie uh, Cyper's dad play. Yeah, that was funny. So you guys were dating, uh, split off, and then around December, um, you hit uh, December thirteenth of twenty thirteen was the Mark Schultz concert. And uh, you came to Fountain of Life to help as an usher and uh, help with the concert. And I thought, you guys are, are getting back together. So that's when I friended you on Facebook because that's where all relationships happen is Facebook now. Yeah, social media is a funny thing. And actually, to talk about that night, you know, I was just there to help. And... um. 
you started to talk with me just a little bit, not too much. And then I got to know a really fabulous lady there, um, and we became friends. And so at the end of that concert, I go home and I see two friend requests on Facebook, one from you and one from her. And I took it to mean something different, um, but obviously that wasn't the case. Um, I was totally wrong in my assumption, but it led to two really great friendships, one of which God really had to beat me upside the head with <laughs> and knock some sense into me. And uh, that was our relationship um, because I legitimately, and some laugh and kind of scoff and roll their eyes at it, but I legitimately started talking to you because I wanted to help my boy out. I wanted to see what I could do to get you guys back together um but that didn't last as long as maybe i didn't had intended my efforts to be at the beginning um and you quickly picked up on the fact that i was turning a corner with what i thought about you and and things yeah i'm not sure when i started picking up on the fact that you would flirt with me through messages or anything but I know when those flirts came, I didn't know how to, not how to handle it, but I didn't know what to think of it, and so I would chastise you for flirting with me. And of course, my patent response was, hey, I'm a Libra, I can't help it. I still shake my head at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the night that it truly turned the corner for me, that it went from me wanting to see you date uh, my friend again to really wanting to see you date me was the night that I was in Aurora at Denny's till about one or two o'clock in the morning. And um, I was working at a uh, part-time job and I knew my check would hit Monday after midnight, which would have been like Tuesday morning. So I'd gone to this open uh, improv thing at uh, the Comedy Shrine in Knowing that, I would have to wait till after midnight or 1 o'clock whenever my check would post so I could get gas to get home. So I thought, well, I'll just chill out here, play around on Facebook and do whatever. And I think that was the night that uh, you got a tap on the shoulder. Well, I just saw that, you know, I had a friend in need and I was only a half hour away, so... It wouldn't have been right for me to ignore the need. And I think that was also the night that you, it was shortly after you had gotten back from your mission trip and you were exhausted. And that was the night that, uh, that God was telling you to get up and, and message me. Oh yeah. I forgot about that timeline. You know, after a couple of years, you start forgetting certain details and things. Um, but yeah, it was after, I think my first missions trip, yeah, 2014, and I honestly don't remember the timeline exactly or the exact details, and that's okay. I just remember I was trying to get to sleep because I had a hard time falling asleep, and I had to go to work the next day, and... um I had a hard time falling asleep, and so I started to fall asleep finally, and it was 
sometime around midnight, 1230. Um, but it was very late. I had to get to sleep. I was restless and I was finally starting to doze off. And I got the nudge from God to send you a message on messenger. And I was like, no, God, I have to get to sleep. I am so exhausted and I have to work tomorrow. And again, I got that nudge and I was like, God, I need to get to sleep. I'm not going to message him. I need to work in the morning. Uh, but finally, I gave up on being defiant and I went ahead and shot you a message. And that's how I found it out that you had a need. Yeah, and it would have been cool in that moment. Like, wow, that would have been really awesome if you'd come up that night. But I was also a very stubborn man that didn't want to, I didn't want to receive the help when I knew that I would be okay. But, you know, maybe that would have been the night that we could have said was our anniversary, but it actually took a couple more weeks before we actually started to date. And Caleb plays a huge role in that because, um, around that time, I also won four tickets to see third day and skillet in concert in Chicago. And at first I was going to take the improv team. But only one could go, which was Ryan. And uh, so that left me with two tickets. And it was, um, I was going to try to bring my sister. And then that left me with one. And so I reached out and took a chance. And I said, hey, do you want to go to a concert? I was uh, actually at Export playing basketball. And in between games, I'd come over and text you. And, you know, ask you if you you wanted to go. And... Then I realized I got myself in a little bit of trouble when I got that text saying, well, I assume the whole group is going. Yeah, I just um, was feeling awkward, like, okay, I'm actually being asked out on a date, and I'm not sure what to think about this, but I was assuming there was going to be some safety in numbers or something there, um, and that I was just going to be an, a tag-along with with the gang. And there was a tag along, uh, who was eventually my best man at the wedding. Uh, Ryan was there. And the funny story that I, I'd like to tell is the fact that during the concert, you guys were able to connect and talk over about Moody. Whereas I felt awkward and like, wait, I don't know what to talk about. I, I got you here, but what do I talk? And, and so, um, you guys were able to talk and chat a lot. Um, then we go, uh, I want to walk you to the train. You're, and at first you're like, no, I'm okay. You're like, I'm okay. I know how to get there. Hey, I'm an independent, strong woman. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so we walk the two blocks to uh, Millennium Station. And there's a couple who uh, had had some liquid courage, but they were taking some selfies together. And, you know, me being the courteous, heroic gentleman that I want to be, I offered to take the picture for them. Which they obliged because that way they got at least one that would be in focus with their full heads in in the frame. (laughs) But uh, then they turned around and said, hey, do you guys want one? Yeah, that was very awkward because, you know, I really didn't know you. And it was just a a natural thing for them to ask to take a picture of us in return. Um you know, out of courtesy, and plus they were grateful that we took the picture of them, and they obviously were having a great date together, and it looked like they were having a great time, and I was happy for them, but when it got turned to us, 
I was extremely awkward um, feeling because I didn't really know you and I didn't have any um, one-on-one relationship established other than messages Mm -hmm. on Messenger. So that was just a very awkward thing. So we, I just politely declined. And I, I knew that there was a sense of awkwardness. So I kind of looked to you for the response in that moment. I was like, yes, but let's make sure that it's okay. And uh, you were, you know, like you said, we didn't have a an in-person relationship established at that point. So we declined and then I walked you to the train and here is when I got smacked in the face with the door to the friend zone. <laughs> so we get to the train. The train doors open up. It, it, they had just opened. The, the train was not pulling out. We had five minutes before the train left. But as soon as they opened, I saw taillights. Well, back up a moment. Um, (laughs) Everyone does need to know that we sat in the train station on the bench and we were talking and having a good conversation going. Um, It was just out of my anxiousness that I wanted to make sure I was on that train before it left um, because I really didn't want to be left behind in the city by myself. Um, I usually don't travel by myself and so I want to make sure I was on that train Mm -hmm. before it left. So that was just my anxiety. Um, Yeah. So you, you got the bro hug and I, and I needed to get on that train. It was a bro hug and I was gone. And it was not just a bro hug because of courtesy. It was a bro hug out of pity because as she darted to the train door, I pulled the lamest of lame moves. What? No hug. (laughs) Yeah. I, we, walked to the platform and I don't even know what I said to you anymore, but I got right onto that train. And as soon as, soon as I was stepping onto the train, <coughs> excuse me, um, that's when you pulled that line. I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I should. Uh, and so I turned around and gave you a, a very, wide spaced bro hug with a light tap on the back and turned around very quickly and got onto that train. So I'm walking away thinking, huh, she actually likes Ryan. So I thought, and he knows this story. So he, um, you know, this is no revelation for him, but I walked away, went home thinking, huh, they connected and she's going to, she likes him. So I thought, I was now the wingman um, going home that night, but we we continued to talk that weekend, and we're both kind of fuzzy on the actual details, but at one point during the weekend, or sometime around that time, you and your friend Chris were talking, and she asked you the question about me. When are you going to stop talking to Dave about Tom and start talking to Dave about Dave? Yeah, she pointed out to me, hey, Bobby, you do realize that he is already leading you. I was like, oh, I guess he is, isn't he? I guess that's one of the qualities I should be looking for. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, through divine inspiration, at one point we were having a conversation. It's either on Facebook or text. 
I uh, can't remember when, where it was, but uh, I can't find the, the transcript because I, I went back and I tried to find all the uh, texts and, and messages that we had back then. But I was saying some things from uh, one of your favorite movies that kind of spoke to you. Okay, so to back that up, uh, to back up a little bit, we had a, conver- a phone conversation the next night after... Um, that concert in the city and we were talking about you know how everything went along and ended and um so we worked all that out and and in the midst of that conversation you were saying key phrases that at one point after watching the movie Courageous um, at the end they have the Father's Day celebration at church and you know the main character he's making all the I will statements and declaring who he's going to be um, in God and in his family so I was like when I when I watched that movie I said to the Lord, this has to be who my husband is going to be. My husband has to uphold those declaratives. Um, So when you were saying those statements in our phone conversation, you had, you never seen the movie. I'm not even sure if you even heard of the movie at that point, but you were making these statements. And while you were making those statements, it's like God smacked me upside the head. And literally in my mind, I was like, crap. (laughs) This is my husband. Shoot. <laughs> well, here he is. And so then that converse, our conversation took that turn. And then that's what we started to talk about and sort that out and where we were going to go from then on. So what was a friend date became retroactively our first date. But our first official date going in, both parties knowing that this was a date, was two weeks later? At uh, Marvin and uh, Jamie's wedding. Um. Yes. So my friends, um, my friend got married um, and I was doing her makeup and um, I had asked her if I could bring a guest along because, you know, my invitation wasn't addressed and to and guest that I remember anyway. Um, And we were newly dating trying to figure out our relationship and and so I just asked if you could tag along and then several hours later into the reception you finally showed up (laughs) (laughs) I think I had to work or something was going on that day I couldn't make it to the actual wedding and then I met you at the church and then went to Bar Louie uh, where we had the reception you actually ran into a lady. You're in Panera Bread or somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. And you ended up in a converse, in a conversation with an elderly lady. I was supposed to meet you, and uh, there's this lady at the Panera in Matson. 
Uh, we ended up talking for a couple of hours. Um, she was, uh, you know, very lonely and, um, like her kids were, or they were alive, but they weren't in the picture. They were doing their own thing. So she was needy in conversation. And it was just one of those God moments where I was able to connect with somebody. I regret losing her business card not and not following up and staying in contact. But in that moment, it was just she needed the conversation. And I kept feeling my phone buzz. But I'm like, she would not understand if I reached in my pocket right now and grabbed the phone. It would, it would have given her the cue that I'm not into her conversation. And so that's why you got upset or worried, like, is something going wrong? Because you knew I'd never been to Matson before. Right. I wanted to make sure, you know, your truck hadn't broke down and I needed to go search for you or something, come to the rescue. You know, it was, it's been several hours that I've mm-hmm. been waiting and I was like, well, did he ditch me then? And I heard wrong from God. Like, I was just trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And so then my anxiety was arising because I didn't know. And so I was worried, so I was calling you and texting you nonstop, like, dude, where are you? And little did you know, I had met somebody else. I was with another woman. But not in that way. (laughs) You're a nursing home robber. (laughs) (laughs) Uh once it was explained and everything was good, you know, the you know, the problem was averted. Um it and that speaks to technology. Twenty years ago, thirty years ago, people didn't talk for you know, if they didn't if they called you and you didn't hear from them for a couple hours, that was normal. You know, that's very true. Yeah. We're in a very uh on demand society right now. But all worked out, and uh, she's got a new last name. Well, it's four years old now, but um, so obviously everything worked out, and it's you know as with any marriage, it's had its challenges. It's not been a complete fairy tale, but you know, marrying me is you know obviously one of God's greatest gifts. I agree to that. <laughs> I say that in jest, but. Uh, but you know we're both very blessed and both very happy, and you know that's why she agrees to let me drag her around to all these improv shows and other creative ventures. But I want to talk more about Bobby and what made Bobby Bobby. Uh, so let's talk about your uh, salvation story. Uh, what's your testimony? Um, I I know the details, um, but our listeners um, most of them don't. And I know that there are some details that we don't want to necessarily broadcast for the world to hear. But tell us what you're comfortable sharing about how you came to your own personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah, there's definitely some delicate um, details that I want to um, not hide but protect um, just because of who it involves and what it involves. Um, but growing up ever since I was a little, little girl, you know, my mom, she, my parents were divorced. Um, they divorced when I was around a year, year and a half, I think. And so we would have visitations with our mom. And when we were visiting with her, 
We would always say our dinner time prayers. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. And, you know, the now I lay me down to sleep prayer before going to bed, you know, but we didn't go to church uh, with our mom. You know, we didn't read from our Bibles with our mom, but we said those prayers. Uh, but as a result from that, I... I grew a passion to pray and I had a, a love for knowing who, wanting to know who God is and who Jesus is. Uh, my dad remarried when I was around four, four and a half years old. And, you know, we, we went to church. We grew up in the Catholic church and I got, um, baptized and confirmed in the Catholic church, confirmed in high school, not at the typical eighth grade level. Um, there was a time period where we stopped going to church and we stopped going to the religious ed classes, CCD as it was known as. Um, and, but I, I would get frustrated in those religious ed classes because I didn't know the Bible stories like everybody else. And in those classes, we didn't necessarily learn the Bible stories. We didn't open up our actual Bibles and read the content of the Bible. We learned things about the Catholic Church. We learned biblical principles and all that kind of stuff. But we never actually opened up our Bibles and read the stories. Um, and so I would get frustrated because... Other kids in class seemed to know, like, heroes of the Bible and stuff like that. And I knew nothing um, other than what we were being taught. Um, so I grew up wanting to know who God is and who Jesus is and loving to learn about God and Jesus. And so I kind of did it on my own as I grew older. Um, in high school, I thought, well, maybe one way to get closer to God is to go ahead and go back to church, go to the RCIY classes, and uh, get confirmed. And so, because I was older and in the RCIY program, it was a two-year program, so I got confirmed as a junior in high school. Um, but that wasn't my salvation. You know, doing religious stuff is not how we got saved. I can take as many classes as I want, it doesn't mean I'm going to be in right standing with God or have a right relationship with God. It just means I have more head knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, not to say that it can't help the heart increase its level of love and passion for wanting to know more about God and his son and the Holy Spirit. But doesn't necessarily bring about salvation unless the salvation obviously is a chance for salvation is given in, in all of that. But which in my case, it never was. Um, you were in right standing with God in the church because he got confirmed basically is how I interpreted, interpreted all of it. And so um, in high school, my senior year of high school, I, there was two specific events uh, that occurred, um, one in which I was trying to be the hero, and it involved a friend and a substitute teacher, and I was trying to be the hero, uh, coming to my friend's aid, 
um, and standing up for her. And really, it was uncalled for. I didn't need to do anything in that situation. And the second situation was, um, I was actually a victim. And so, but God used those two situations um, in a counseling session. Um, I was at a crisis center receiving counseling sessions, and it I truly believe that my counselor was saved and she was a Christian. Um, she never spoke anything about God or Jesus, but she wore like the, um, the Ichthus necklace mm-hmm. or what people call the Jesus fish with mm-hmm. a cross. Um, and just her, the way she was soft and spoken. And I really think God placed her as my counselor for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had some other people in and out of my life, you know, that had to be involved with this whole situation that was going on, um, who all turned out to be Christian. So they were all praying for me, um, and praying for my salvation, praying for the situations to resolve. But to go back to this specific counseling session, you know, I, the counselor was asking me about the situation with my friend and, that, and where I was trying to be the hero and coming to her aid. And we were talking about, you know, everything else that I was going through. And um, in the midst of our conversation, I just kind of stared off into space towards my left and I saw this vision. Um, this vision was like a Santa Claus list. It was like unscrolled, mm-hmm. like a scroll, but it was like opened. And instead of like toys or like, um, a child's wish list written down on this Santa Claus list, it was my sins. Mm. And I could read them in this vision. I could read my sins on this scroll and I remember feeling mortified at myself. And I started to cry and just weep silently in the middle of this counseling session. And the counselor had no idea why I was crying or that I even was having this vision or what I guess you can count it as a daydream. Some people would call it a daydream, but this was a daydream given by God, obviously, because it brought about my repentance and my salvation. And so after that session ended, you know, I was on my way back to where I was staying and we had to get ready to go to youth group that night. And just something changed. In the car on the way home, I was still in the moment of thinking of that vision and repenting and just feeling sorrowfulness. Um, I get to youth group and I don't, I can't tell you when the change happened, but everyone's like, Bobby, you look so happy. Hmm. It was like the first time they seen me smile. Um, and actually kind of like laugh, like genuinely. 
because we know I'd smile and laugh here and there, but they saw joy exuberated off of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the right word, exuberated. I make yeah. up my own English sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at at the end of that youth group night, we prayed out, and I just started thanking God for my salvation out loud. It was the only about the only thing that seemed right to say, mm-hmm. and it wasn't prompted by anyone. It wasn't um, an altar call or no, anything. no. Everyone was just doing their normal prayer request and praying, going around taking turns if you wanted, and it just came out of my mouth, and and so we celebrated my salvation that night. And it's just, it's an incredible story about how God works in mysterious ways, but works on a different level, meets you where you're at, at, at an individual thing. Because you see this thing that convicts you. It wasn't a condemnation thing. It wasn't a weight of like, this is you, Bobby. You are so bad. It was like, this is why you need me. God was showing you that. And it the the conviction weighed on you so much that you realized there's hope. Yeah, and being able to share that hope. Um, at the time, I couldn't share the hope one-on-one with people, mm-hmm. well, certain people. But I was able to start praying for them instead of being upset and angry and hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's just... in. Like I said, it, it's really a great story of how God just is able to meet somebody right where they're at, no matter what the circumstances, because, like I said, there's some delicate details you can't share, and I would want you to share, um, but just the fact that he met you, and in spite of all the things that you were going through, that you found that there there's a hope, and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, because... For those that know your story, they know that it would have been very easy for you to have chosen a different direction. It would have been very easy for you to choose a life completely the antithesis of following God. I should have been a statistic on the nightly news. Right. And, you know, thank God you're not. I'm I'm truly grateful. And there's a, a whole lot of people that are truly grateful um, that you aren't. Um, so thank you for being open and uh, and sharing your testimony because it's not always easy to share your testimony. I'm I'm wired differently where I I kind of like sharing it, but I know that it's not necessarily the most comfortable thing for you. So so thank you. You're welcome. So we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be uh, back with more of my one-on-one interview with the most beautiful woman in the world, my wife, Mrs. Bobby Ebert, the Rev. <laughs> what do you get when you talk to a Dell Technologies advisor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get someone who understands there's an art to listening. Uh-huh. Sure. Who's able to hear more than what's being said and can provide tailored mm-hmm. small business solutions that make you feel okay. truly heard. I understand. Let's get started. 
For advice on everything from laptops to the cloud and solutions powered by Intel vPro platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Welcome back to the Gifts of Glory podcast. I'm with uh, Bobby Ebert, my wife, uh, the most beautiful woman in the world. Um, and uh, we just talked about her testimony. And, uh, and everybody's got a story. So to anybody listening, I encourage you that if you are saved, don't be afraid to tell your story. There's no bad story or there's no better story. They're all great because it's all about God. And uh, so, again, I'm grateful to my wife for, for being so open and being willing to share um, now let's talk about your cross to bear in life, and that's being married to me and following me around with haha men. <laughs> that's a heavy cross, not as heavy as Jesus's cross, but that's a heavy cross. But if Simon from <laughs> Cyrene is anywhere in uh, Will County, she could use some help. <laughs> um, so you're very involved, mostly behind the scenes. Every once in a while, we convince you to come up on stage for uh, rehearsal, and you and I perform together every once in a while. But uh, what are some of the things that you do that make Haha Men successful that people don't see or maybe don't recognize? Well, what people can see, um, Well, people can definitely see me at the front of the house as they walk in. I'm the one who is greeting with a smile and asking for people's mailing addresses or email addresses for the mailing list and getting blind line suggestions for the game Blind Lines. Um, You know, and I, I... basically give them the housekeeping as they're entering. I welcome them in. I give them direction, all that good stuff. I make sure they're welcomed and feel comfortable. And and when it's time, then I go ahead and I take my place behind the sound booth. And you play the music uh, for uh, primarily the Good for the Soul shows um, that we have been doing monthly at Fountain of Life Church. Our actual final one there uh, for Good for the Soul at Fountain of Life will be Monday, June 17th. Uh, Fountain of Life is going through some transition, and part of that, um, to to kind of help them in that transition, we'll, uh, we're going to step away and, uh, and uh, no longer use their facilities while they go through that transition, and we'll be uh, announcing our new home uh, in, the, in the coming weeks. But if you've never been, or you, if you have been and have wanted to come back, um, Good for the Soul, the final episode, final edition. Um, at Fountain of Life Church will be Monday, June 17th, 7.30 p.m. You can see Bobby at that front door with her smiling face getting your blind lines and your emails. Um, that'll start at 7.15 when the doors open, and then we'll have our show. And, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't say enough about Pastor John, um, uh, Trisha Cross, uh, their former uh, administrative assistants that have been there through the years, uh, like uh, Debbie Derbeck and, and uh, Anna uh, Rubix, who've just been absolutely amazing to allow us to use a facility and to uh, not only have the show there, but also to have rehearsal there because they've been there for us since the founding when we founded the group in 2013. So just, I want to give a big thanks and can't say enough about everybody at Fountain of Life Church 
And as I go through the transition, you know, I continue to pray for Pastor John and the entire family there because that was my church when I first came to um, Chicago land. I met a lady at Sweet Tomatoes. Uh, rest in peace, Sweet Tomatoes. I really do miss that place. The best salad buffet ever. And you could justify the number of carbs you ate off the bread line by saying, well, it's a salad place. Exactly. And not to mention the soups and the teas. Uh, it was just really great. Everything, the, the produce was locally grown mm-hmm. and it was just a fantastic place. So I met a lady there who told me about Fountain of Life. I went and... Um, Pastor John was preaching a sermon that was very parallel to a book I was reading uh, called Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman, uh, who preaches at uh, Southeastern in Louisville, uh, one of those mega churches. But uh, it was a really nice parallel to what I was reading, so I stayed there, and uh, Fountain of Life has uh, been uh, absolutely wonderful in helping develop this improv ministry. Um, ha ha ha, men. Uh, now currently haha men although that is most likely going to change but we can't reveal all those details just yet to be announced tba tbd rsvp aflcio i don't know what that means but i don't either so <laughs> <laughs> so you uh designed and uh, rebuilt our website um i guess it's been about a year since we launched the new look um with the parallaxing and um I really also, love the colors, yes. and I love the font that I used. I'm not, I never took any website design classes or anything, but Wix is a great, easy website to use. Shout out to Wix. So, uh, and the website looks phenomenal. I built mine from scratch over the course of a few years, and I had no design experience. I just tried to make it functional, and I did okay, but uh, the website looks really great now. I'm the one in the relationship with the artistic eye. Ish. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> so you do the website, you run house for uh, Good for the Soul, and then uh, also you are my sounding board because there have been numerous ups and downs in the last six years since we founded the Improv Group. Mm. Um, like right when you and I started dating in 2014, upheaval to no end with uh, some uh, personnel turnover and the pain that was caused because of that turnover and how that, how it happened. Um, I don't want to mention any names because you know, it's all been forgiven and uh, it's water under the bridge, but we had uh, one of our original four uh, who had uh, was able to secure us a weekly show in Aurora kind of got overly ambitious and decided to go into business for themselves and took the show with them and left in such a way that almost destroyed the potential of haha men ministry and taught me a lot of lessons in in the uh in the meantime um but you were right there you saw it happening and um you know there's no way that this team would be here today without you kind of kicking me in the keister and being there to hear hear me out with all that struggle yeah, I guess I'm the one team member who's been there from the beginning and hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. So I never thought about that. 
Yeah, I mean, the one thing to say about the encouragement part is, you know, to do anything that God, God calls you to do, you know, it you need support. Everyone needs support, whether it's a mission or just even sometimes simple tasks. You know, it's important to have the support. You know, men... Man wasn't supposed to do things alone, you know, so, and I was able to see God do amazing things through you and through the team, even with each change, you know, there was a lot of discouragement that came um, on and off, but seeing what God can do through all of that was pretty cool. Yeah. And that's one of the things that sometimes is hard for somebody who's married to somebody that is in a creative ministry or has a creative mind that's looking to do things in that realm is that for some reason, because we're so vulnerable in what we create, it opens a lot more opportunities for those depression moments and those kind of spiraling emotional moments. So you've, you could almost get your counseling license from field experience. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, I would say the field experience, um, has taught me how to be an encourager the right way. Because I think, I think sometimes we believe we know how to encourage one another, but do we really, and are we really being encouraging? Or are we being Job's friends? That, or just being cliche-ish. Um, but not really understanding or the situation, or really understanding the person going through the hard time. So, it's one of the things God used for me personally to teach me how to be an encourager. And I, I'm not necessarily good at encouraging, but I do my best. Um, I try to wait for what God would want me to speak. And I try to reference the correct verses because sometimes let's just throw Bible verses at somebody and tell them they need to have more faith and that's not necessarily appropriate either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good to use the Bible and it's good to encourage and it's good to remind people to lean on God. But if you don't know how to use your word the correct way, that's definitely not encouraging. Right. You know, as you're speaking, I'm just thinking of the imagery of a of the Bible being like a medicine cabinet. And mm. when somebody's sick, you know, if they've got a headache, you don't want to give them um like ex, you know, Xlax. <laughs> if somebody, you know, if somebody has an earache, you don't want to give them something, you know, eye drops. Right. You want to make sure you use what's appropriate for the situation. If they have a cut, you don't want to give them bleach or whatever you know it's and that you know that that's just me impro- improvising this analogy but i think that if you think more about it it works 
in crisis situations, the Bible is very much a medicine cabinet for treating different ailments. You just have to know which one to use, and that's where the wisdom and the study comes in. And sometimes the wisdom is in not saying anything. Right, because not every situation um, demands a Bible verse being spoken. Sometimes it's just your silent presence with your arm around each other. Right. So, and that that is also that is very important for guys and guys listening. That it's something I'm still learning, um, especially in relationship to your wife, your girlfriend, your significant other. Men's tendency is to want to find a fix. So when there's stop it, <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> As Bob Newhart said, and let's get just stop it. And. But that philosophy also goes to any other situation, any other crisis situation. Your job is not to fix. Your job is to help God do the fixing. Yeah, and I had there. and I had to learn, sorry to cut you off, I had to learn to not be a fixer because there is plenty of times where I just want to like smack you upside the head and like, Dave, get over it. It's going to be fine. And just give you a quick fix so that you can hurry up and get past what you're dealing with emotionally. And we, um, at the beginning of this year, we had a situation that was a long time coming. Um, but it finally got to the point where we had to address it. But it was the hardest situation that I've ever faced with the team. Uh, a lot of it was rooted in that first upheaval in 2014 when that member left in that very painful way that hurt the team mm -hmm. is I saw this as a potential repeat that if it wasn't addressed, it could do similar damage. Um, and it's not speaking ill of anybody. It's simply that as fun and as wonderful as some things are, not everybody's meant for every single ministry. Right. And we're not supposed to do all of the ministries there's teachers prophets and apostles and all that for a reason and as much as you love somebody sometimes as a leader which as much i try as i try to shy away from that role because i never want to be in a dictatorial position but i am the leader of of the improv ministry so as that leader, I had to you know, make the tough decision to not leave somebody in a position that would hurt them in their walk, potentially hurt others in their walk, and hurt the ability of the ministry to actually reach people. And without you there and without the help of Pastor Chris and uh, others, that was just it would have been an impossible situation for one person. Yeah, and it also helped tremendously that we happened to be taking a class for our ministry class credentialing. Um, the Illinois School of Ministry is the ISOM. Um, those are the classes that you and I are taking for our credentials uh, in becoming ministers. Um, it just so happened to be that the class that we were taking lined up for this specific situation. And so we had a great resource. Yeah, we did. And again, it's 
whoever knows us knows who we're talking about, but we're not trying to barrier or insult. We're simply just talking the history of the situation. All is forgiven. Um, you know, we pray for the people that are no longer with the team. Um, and you know, there's no reason that God can't cause a reconciliation where in the right mind and heart that all can be restored. Yeah, and I think that opens up a topic about not just restoration, but not having ill will, but still having love. I mean, people can depart ways, but it doesn't mean that we have ill will towards each other. Uh, maybe one party might and the other party doesn't. Sometimes both parties do. Sometimes neither party does. So, um, but this is a, definitely a situation where we bless them and we still love them mm -hmm. and we still pray for the day of reconciliation. And if that reconciliation involves a rejoining of the team, you know, that would be God's will and God, you know, there would have to be full healing. But more importantly, in kingdom-minded, I would just like to see a restoration and a reconciliation on a personal level. Um, because, especially this year, the, the, the two that we lost, I, I still deeply care about those people. And definitely. I definitely want to would love to be in relationship, but I think that it's going to take time and, and work on both of our parts. Because... As hard as I prayed and as much as I tried, I know I didn't handle it perfectly. And I know that there are things that I could probably still learn from. I don't I don't want to ever pretend like I'm perfect because every time I look at my hands, there's no hole there. So I can't claim that. But, um, so again, it's just, it's how the Bible teaches us over and over again not to be alone. Um... You know, I have my wife. Um, if you're single, you know, you've got people around you to do ministry with. It's so important to have somebody that's got your back, and none of this is possible without you, Bobby. Thank you. Um, so this year we've got Pure Fest, Pure Fest 2, the sequel. Um, <laughs> the sequel or the continuation? Continuation. Sounds good. Because sequels are never really as good as the original. No. So we'll call it the continuation. It's like the never-ending story part two. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, again, um, this is going to happen because you've been in my corner and you helped me by stuffing almost 100 envelopes this weekend. Yeah, you know, I'm... I think I'm created for that kind of helping position. Um, I love that kind of positioning where I can just be help. So the vision for Pure Fest came about two years ago when I was at the Christian Improv Comedy Conference, which I got you to go with me this year to Milwaukee. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, last year we, we were on our way there, um, and then we had a tragedy in our family. So... We're very grateful that we were able to make it this year. And uh, I love all the people that are up there. It's And if you're even remotely interested in improv and you're a believer, I think even if you're not a believer but you're willing to be around people who are, 
I think there's immense benefit for anybody interested in improv in going. Next year, the first weekend of May is going to be in Dallas. Um, but I highly encourage you to find out uh, about it, the Christian Improv Comedy Conference. But getting back to Pure Fest, um, this year it's you know hopefully gonna, I'm hoping to see some more teams come along, and that was the purpose of sending out the letters. Uh, we've got one team that we're bringing in, uh, Austin and Lev from Knoxville, Tennessee. They're going to be a lot of fun. Uh, then uh, Haha Men or whatever we may be known by at that point. We may get a symbol kind of like Prince did, you know, the artist formerly known as Haha Men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll be there and potentially we'll get you up on stage to play Number of Words again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the story behind this game is that last year at Pure Fest, Dave and I perform as a two-person team called Matrimony, M-A-D-T-R-I-M-O-N-Y. And we set this team up to fundraise for my mission trip to Guatemala a couple years ago. And so he wanted to bring this team back to life to perform for Pure Fest. So I went ahead and agreed and we agreed on a set list and then we get on stage and the last game he changed it on me forgetting what our last game was supposed to be. And so the rules of the game is that we are assigned a number of words that we can speak in. And I don't remember what my number was. I think it was six. But I never really played that game before. And I just kept rambling on. And I think you made a comment on stage as your character about saying a lot of words or something. Because a lady in the audience, I all of a sudden heard her say, oh, wow, she really is verbose. And I stopped and froze right there on stage, broke character, broke the fourth wall. And I just put my hands to my face, totally embarrassed, like, oh, my gosh. And I told, then I realized what I was supposed to be doing. And so then I think I did it the correct way from there on out. But the the audience was roaring. They were roaring. Um, and it just, I think, speaks to the fact that, you know, it's okay to take risks. Right. During the intro of the game, I had mentioned that, you know, sometimes Bobby and I tend to get very verbose. We tend to get, you know, say a lot of words, so we're going to control that. So I had used the word verbose, and that's where, I want to say Michelle was her name. Uh, she was actually one of the people that had driven up from Indianapolis to be there. Mm. And so you went on your opening statement of, you know, like 12, 15 words, whatever. And then I hear her go, wow, she is verbose. <laughs> and in all honesty, it was one of the funniest moments of Pure Fest last year. It was great. It was great. And you know what? Guess what? Everyone laughed. And that's what they're supposed to do. So it's really okay that... You know, I messed up or didn't mess up because guess what? Everyone laughed, and that's the point. 
and, and you're you're kind of borrowing that from Alyssa when we went to go, used to go to Westside Improv. Yeah, my only prior experience to improv training <laughs> is my training at the free classes. Those free classes were so much fun. We go on Tuesday nights, and and she said, and her biggest tip was, it's okay to fail because you're the worst that's going to happen is they're all going to laugh at you. Guess what? You're at a comedy show, so that's the goal. Yeah, they're supposed to. So, and it was just, it was just a beautiful moment, and it's the kind of thing that it doesn't matter because you're in, in all respects. I w- you could say you're like a novice in, in improv. Very much, okay. very much a novice. Um, I know what looks good. I know what sounds good. But then to actually do it myself is very scary for me, which is weird because junior high and high school and even in some of my college years, I was always on stage, musicals, dramas, choir, um and I was never afraid of the stage, but for some reason in my adulthood, I re- I went in reverse, and I'm a little bit more uh, stage shy. And I can come to life once I'm on stage, but to get me onto the stage takes a lot of convincing. And that's what's so interesting is that we have to kind of drag you kicking and screaming onto the stage and then have to then drag you kicking and screaming back off the stage. At the end. <laughs> That's a bit of an exaggeration. Just a little bit. <laughs> but it's funny that you kind of have that reservation of not wanting to jump on stage. And then yeah, you, you ended up like... being married to somebody that has no reservation about jumping up on stage. Yeah, I guess God is using it to wake me up to get out of my shell and comfort zone, you know, and get back to or revive what used to be there. And you've done that with matrimony. Uh, you've also been uh, in a couple of stage productions. Uh, we were the uh, the stars of um, the Christmas production of Limestone Stage because we were the homeless, homeless helpers. helpers. <laughs> <laughs> Which we did raise a really significant amount of money for the local food pantry as those characters. That was tremendous. So that was a lot of fun. And it just, and I think that it witnessed to a lot of people because we, no matter what we do, we're trying to do good for people. And it's not, and I don't say that as a boast, I just say that that's how we're both wired. And it's one of the confirmations that our marriage is a God thing because we're very much wired in wanting to do good and help people. Yes. So, um, so I, one thing, I don't know uh, how many of the, the podcasts you've listened to. Um, but at the end of each interview, I do what I call the interrogation, which is very much like the improv warm up five things. I'm going to ask you seven quick questions. Shoot from the hip and give the best answer you can. The only thing I know about these from hearing your side of the recordings as you're recording is that you can't really prepare for them. And I don't like being not prepared. I have to know what's coming, so I'm scared. Don't be scared. I'll protect you. <laughs> so seven questions. Some will be serious. Some will be um, more fun. So we'll start off with the easy one, the softball. Favorite ice cream. Ooh, I would always say mint chocolate chip. 
But now I have more favorites, so I can't really answer that. I'm just a food junkie right now. All right. Question two. <laughs> um, ideal vacation spot that you've never been to. I don't know what would be my ideal vacation spot, but I definitely want to go to Ireland. I am half Irish, so one of these days I have to make it there. Question number three. Cubs or socks? Socks. White socks. Woo woo. Question four. Uh, what's your biggest regret in life? Regret? Ooh. The one thing that's popping into my... Well, there's several, but the one thing that's popping into my mind immediately is a situation I found myself in driving my car. You know the one the Bible says? Um, somewhere it is written. I like to use the words of Paul. Somewhere it is written. Um, where it talks about... Uh, I can't think of the verse exactly. But that you could be entertaining angels unaware. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Yeah, uh, we've talked about that. It, that it's something that when you... Basically, when you do good to people, you may be entertaining angels unaware that they are angels sent from God. Right. So one day I was driving in my car um, on one of the main roads here, and I was driving past the Sam's Club. And there was this gentleman who was, like, extremely tall. Like, it was a strange sight. It shouldn't have been strange because, okay, on this particular road, you see people walking up, up and down the street all the time. Um, but this gentleman, there was just something about him. He didn't strike me as homeless. He didn't strike me as someone in need. But he didn't strike me as someone who had his needs met either. It was just something different about this individual. And to the hmm, the vision of him, like actually seeing him with my eyesight was kind of strange too because he kind of seemed to have like this towering presence. Like he was more than the typical person. I, it's very indescribable. Mm-hmm how this person appeared to me, but this gentleman was walking towards the road from the parking lot and I'm on the road in the far right lane and I had a sack, a paper bag uh, lunch that I was eating and I had a just a peanut butter jelly sandwich, a plum, and I think I had something else to drink or like a bottle of water. I, I don't remember, but I remember I had the sandwich and the plum for sure. And I already started to eat the sandwich. And I just had this tug on my heart. Stop and give this man your lunch. And I was like, and I just... In silence, in my car, I'm just looking at my bag, and I was like, well, how can I share my lunch? I already started eating it. And then I continued driving, and I took my plum out, and I ate my plum, and he immediately 
felt sick to my stomach. Mm. And that verse came to my mind immediately. So that was definitely one of the biggest regrets that popped to my mind was um, not being obedient to the conviction in my heart. Right. Question five, what are you scared of? Ooh, lots of things, but not knowing what to expect. I hate not knowing what to expect. I have to know what to expect. Like just for this interview, I made you write down, um, well, tell me so that I could write down a list of what we're going to cover in this interview because I needed to know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> right, question six. Um, who do you credit most with your relationship with Jesus? Who discipled you or led you closest to Christ? Mm, I credit my mom for teaching us to pray, even if it was just like one of those poem prayers that people speak, not really meaning what they're praying. They're just doing it just to do it. I credit my best friend and her family growing up. Uh, my best friend, Shoshana, she and I have been best friends since she was three and I was four. Um, we're still best friends, even into our 30s. Um, she and her family played a huge role a huge role in sharing the gospel with me growing up, um, teaching me things like the days of creation, just a, a variety of things that they've taught. And then, you know, my senior year, junior, senior year of high school, claiming me for Christ and really helping me pursue salvation and what it meant to be covered in the blood of Jesus. Because in my mind, how can blood clean when it's dirty right <laughs> <laughs> so god in my salvation story god really had you know he revealed that to me you know um because i really had a hard time comprehending that one right all right and final question um what do you want to do with sign language because we we didn't really talk about it yet but Sign language has been a huge part of your life. You're a sign uh, interpreter at church, and you teach an ASL class at Cross Point. But what is on your heart to do with sign language in ministry? You know, I've never really figured that out. Because that's a whole nother testimony, which could probably take up a whole nother podcast show. Um... It's always been on my heart since a little kid. I never knew what it was. So I'll give you the condensed version. Um, my stepmother had to point out what it was, but I still couldn't see what it was or understand what it was. Um, throughout the years, I was encouraged to become an interpreter, but I never thought that I would want to interpret. I just wanted to know sign language, but I didn't know for what purpose. And so now I'm using it in ministry. Um, 
I did go to school to become an interpreter. That's a whole nother testimony in itself. An unfinished testimony, I would say. Um, God, I believe, is still writing it. Um, he knows his plan for me signing. I still don't know his full plan for it, but I'm discovering um, so right now I'm using it in ministry. I have a science connections class at church. It's the cost of the book. Um, but right now I'm using it as a way to teach people not only learning sign language and deaf culture, but as a witnessing tool. You know, when you're out in the community and you're interacting with someone who's deaf or hard of hearing and they sign, you know, meet them within their culture Mm -hmm. and within their language and cross over those barriers and enter into their world. Build relationships and testify about Jesus. Awesome. Well, Bobby, you survived, and you we Yay! went even longer than uh, you expected. Um, it's well, it's, you know, I'm verbose. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I really wanted to have an episode where I could truly just honor you and and publicly thank you for the things that you do behind the scenes. That uh, yes, we actually this will go live before the podcast we recorded with the improv team. We talked about it a little bit last night when we recorded, but tonight I wanted to make sure that the people knew how proud of you I am, how much I love you, how much I appreciate you, and I just wanted people to know that even though I may be the one with all the pictures and all the weird stuff going on in social media, that none of it happens without you. Thank you. You're welcome. So it's God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you, and those four work together to make me do what I do. So thank you. You're welcome. So uh, we'll wrap it up there before we start crying on each other. (laughs) No PDA allowed. Is a podcast considered PDA if you're sharing? Yeah, I I don't think we'll kiss on the mics. We'll wait. It's kind of weird. Yeah. (laughs) 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 But uh, we'll wrap it up. Anywho, we'll wrap it up there, and um, just thank you for listening to uh, this week's edition of the Gifts of Glory podcast. Uh, be sure to uh, click on the links in the show notes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram so that uh, you can keep up to date. And also plan, um, if you're listening to this beforehand, um, June 17th, Fountain of Life Church, the final edition of Good for the Soul at Fountain of Life. Uh, raising funds for ARF Illinois, that's Animal Rescue Foundation. There may or may not be puppies present. Um, so, Oh, uh, I hope so. Although maybe I shouldn't hope so because you'll get distracted and you won't be able to do your own show. I, I think people could come t- for an hour of just seeing puppies on stage. I, <laughs> even if no- nobody else in the cast can make it and just me rolling around with a bunch of puppies, I think that would be fun. <laughs> that won't be what happens. But it will be the final show at Fountain of Life Church. Thank you so much to Fountain of Life for hosting us these six years. And uh, let's go out with a um, 
with a proverbial bang on uh, Monday the 17th. And be sure to say hi to Bobby on your way in and uh, thank her for all that she does. Um, so we'll be back next week. Next week our guest will be Ted Williams of uh, of Third Dimension Performance Group and a million and other a million and one other things that he does. Uh, this will be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be back with more episodes as we celebrate and honor those who glorify God with their gifts and talents. Have a great rest of your day. to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed PowerCash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It takes thousands of hours to become an astronaut. Right, Nina? Oh, I'm not an astronaut. I'm a design consultant at the Container Store. But you explore space. I help you find space with our Alpha Closet systems. And you're an expert. Pretty good at it. And you use satellites to communicate. I'm doing more virtual in-home closet designs, but I wouldn't say... We salute you, astronaut Nina, for helping us find space. You're welcome. The Alpha sales bonus is here. Earn up to $500 in credit now through February 7th at the Container Store, where space comes from.